I'm going to continue. We've had a little bit of disturbance the last few Sundays. I wasn't here last Sunday, but I want to continue talking to you about one of the most important sermons you're going to hear this year. One of the most important sermons, and that is about do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Who knows what spirit I'm talking about? What spirit? What spirit am I talking about? The Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. As you remember over the last few weeks uh, and months and so on, we were talking about how we receive the Holy Spirit. In uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14, you should have these verses underlined in your Bible. In fact, you should know these verses out of your mind. You should be able to quote them to me if I ask you what's written there. Because to me, it is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It is how we receive the Spirit of God. And I took you a few weeks through the book of Acts, which is a transitional book. It is important that you follow how the message transitions from the Jews to the Gentiles. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. But I'm not a Gentile anymore. I'm a saint. In a few weeks' time, Lord willing, I will preach through the book of Ephesians, though I'm also sitting on the first letters of John. So the Lord will open up the way for me to go. But when we go there, I'll explain to you what a saint is. It's not the saints in the Roman Catholic Church. You don't have to die to become a saint. Saints alive, that is what it is. Who wants to be a saint alive? I mean, I'm still alive. I'm still alive, and I'm a saint alive. So uh, there's a transition that took place. We saw how that Peter started preaching to the Jews. We first of all saw that the Gospels, most of the Gospels is sitting under the Old Covenant. Not to say that it is not important to us. The whole Bible is important to us. I still read the Old Testament. But let me just say to you that the Old Testament is a shadow of the substance. You need to understand that. Paul says it himself. The Old Testament points towards Christ, which is the substance of the Old Testament. I so often say to people, you are welcome to still stand in the shadows. But I've moved out of the shadows into the light. Yes? Where do we find that light? In John, it says in verse 14, He came and He became flesh and lived amongst us. How wonderful is that, Wendy? To know that we don't have to sit in the darkness anymore, but we can stand in the light of the Son, Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand in this place. Hallelujah! And, and, and listen, and listen, it is because of the work that He has done. Nothing that I could do could bring me out of darkness into the light. It's the work that Jesus Christ has done. So we saw that the Holy Spirit comes and He lives inside of us. Jesus made that promise. He said, I'll pray the Father and He'll send you another comforter who will be with you forever. What does forever mean? It means forever. Hello? That's what it means. Forever means forever. And that means that we cannot sing like in the Old Testament, don't take the Spirit away from me. But something can happen to the Spirit in your life. You can quench the Holy Spirit. So follow me as we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is where we find it. To give you a little bit of a background, you know, Paul writes to this church in Thessalonica. The reason why he writes this letter is because they came false teachers into that area. 
He went through there in one of his missionary journeys. He established the church. He preached to the church the rapture. He preached to the church that Jesus Christ is going to come back and receive you unto himself in the clouds. But after he's left, there came wolves in sheep clothing amongst the sheep. Who knows it's still happening today? Wolves in sheep clothing. And we will see that's one of the big things that's going to stand out today. And they started mixing the message. Be careful of that. Because, you know, mixing the message is they take all of the poison and they mix it with the good stuff. But eventually what's going to kill you? The poison. The poison's going to kill you. That's what rat poison is all about. If you give rats poison, what is it? There's 90% good stuff and 10% poison. And this is what happened in that church. And right through, right through that letter to, to Thessalonica, he writes to them about these people who come in and they preach a different message. And then he comes down to this part. And this is really important to me. A lot of you have read this, but I want to unpack it for you. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Is that you? How is your rejoice life? How is your rejoice life? How is it going? You know, I, I remember, and I, I may come vividly back to it, that first time when I was lying there and I put this needle into my neck, and you can see on the screen, you, they strap your head down because they're going to go into that nerve there, and I can see on the screen right there how this needle is going in there, and I feel the strange sensations going on here. I, I thought for one minute, I can keep on looking at the screen, and I can keep on feeling these things, and I can start telling myself, you know, oh, something's going to go wrong, or I can close my eyes and rejoice in you, Lord. And you know what I did? I started singing songs of the blood of Christ. My eyes were closed, and I think if, if you could put a mic in my brain, because I wasn't singing these songs, I was shouting these songs. I think if you could put a mic in my brain, that whole room would have been filled with the songs that I praised God with. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. Paul tells these people, pray. Do not stop praying in everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Does that mean the good things? Does it mean the bad things? He says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. I wonder how many times you read this. You should open up your Bible. You should read this at least once a week. This is good advice for you. I want you to understand that you cannot, you cannot confuse this with grieving the Spirit. There's another passage that Paul writes, and he writes it to the church in Ephesus, and he says to them, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You, a lot of people, they confuse these two. They, they confuse the grieving of the Spirit with the quenching of the Spirit. It is not the same. But let me say that grieving the Spirit will lead to quenching the Spirit. And quenching the Spirit will lead to grieving the Spirit. And as you know me, I love to go into the Greek. 
I love to open up the Greek because I want to remind you that the English is a translation from the original scriptures. If you look at these two words here, you will find that do not quench comes from the Greek word shenumi. And that means to extinguish something. It means to put something out. It means you've got a fire and you put the fire out. So in your life and in my life, we have done this before. I remember vividly when I went on camps that I put a fire together and then I spenui. I don't know if I've got it right, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's spenui, I extinguish it. The word here for not grieving the Holy Spirit comes from the Greek word lupio, which means it is to sadden somebody. It means is to throw somebody into sorrow. So where are you going with this? It is not the same thing. It is not the same thing. And why am I saying it? It's because there is two kind of contexts here that you need to understand. One is appliable to you personally. And the second one is appliable to the church as a body corporate. Now let me explain to you as I put this context in this verse. When we look at this verse here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16, we see there's three aspects of holiness that Paul addresses here. Three aspects. The first one is talking to the Lord. He writes to them. He says, when you talk to the Lord, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks to the Lord. This is the aspect of holiness. It's our talking with the Lord. This is what he's addressing with that. I want to put it in context. And then the second part of holiness is allowing the Spirit to minister to us. And this is where a lot of people, they quench that ministering of the Holy Spirit in their personal lives. Some churches quench the Spirit in the churches. And, and, and no doubt, I know why. Because if you look what people is putting under the banner of the Holy Spirit today, is not the Holy Spirit. You're getting churches who's doing funny things. You know, people running up and down, barking like dogs, going on like stuff. That is not the Holy Spirit. I just want to make it clear. Those people in doing what they're doing is quenching the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God. We need to determine what is the Spirit of God. The second part he's talking about here, an aspect of holiness, is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Do not quench the Spirit, Paul says, and do not despise prophecies. Now we know what prophecies is. And then thirdly, he says, he says this is pursuing righteousness. He says, test all things, Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from it. Three, that's it. That is what he's meaning with this. There's three parts of holiness. And when he writes this in the Greek form, the Greeks took this passage and they made four proverbs out of this. The first proverb for the Greeks were to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks. That is a good proverb to have, isn't it? A proverb is a word of wisdom. And this is what they would go around in the church. When they come together on a Sunday, are you still rejoicing in the Lord? How are you doing, my brother? My work is not going well, but I'm still rejoicing in the Lord. 
I've got pain in my body, but I'm still rejoicing in the Lord. I continue praying. I don't stop praying. It doesn't mean you have to be on your knees praying the whole time. But when I'm in my car, when I walk in the street, when I'm in Woolworths, I pray. Have you prayed in Woolworths? I sometimes walk between the house and I go, Lord, where is that? No, that's not the prayer I'm talking about. But we are continually praying for the Lord, for His blessing. We pray for each other. I see somebody walk and I see them walk with a limb and I pray for them. Continually praying and in everything give thanks to the Lord. Every single thing. You see, we can learn by that. It's a Greek proverb. The third proverb here for them is they broke this down into one proverb for them. They say, test all things and hold fast what is good. Hold fast what is good. It doesn't mean we're going to do all sin as well. And say, oh, I'm just giving sin a go, okay? And, and I see it's not good for me, but I've given it a go. That's not what this is all about. He says, test all things. And then a fourth proverb they picked out of this is to abstain from every form of evil. Is those good? But then I want to come back to the second one. Because you see, for them, this is a proverb in itself where it says, do not quench the spirit and do not despise the prophecies. You see, brothers and sisters, I've explained it before. The Holy Spirit comes and He lives inside of us. He makes habitation inside of us. In 1 John chapter 14, 16, Jesus says that He will come, He will dwell with you, and He will be inside of you. He says it in Romans. Paul writes it. He says in Romans 8 verse 8, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of, God, of Christ, he is not his. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, again, Paul writes this. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Turn to the person next to you and say, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, what, what, what does it make for you? What does it make for you to hear that? Does that excite you? You see, you can test yourself right now whether the Spirit is quenched inside of you. Oh, you know, the Spirit of God dwells in you. What does it mean? Do you understand what it means when the Spirit of God dwells in you? A part of God is dwelling in you. Now listen to me carefully. I am not saying we become small messiahs. That's not what we become. No, no, we are still living in this wretched old body, Paul says. He says, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin? I'm still living in this body. There cometh a day when I will be glorified. That's when this body goes back to the grave. But while I'm living in this, God has given you something. And I, I, I absolutely don't think people understand and realize what you've got inside of you. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. This is so fascinating. You know, if, if that reality grabs you, may you not sleep tonight. May you not sleep tonight. May the Spirit of God revitalize your mind and your body that you understand that He came and He lived inside of you. He says it right here. He says your body is the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. But still people just go, yeah, that's right. 
You know, I said it before. It's like when I go to the other side of the city and there's an address there. Before we had mobile phones and GPS systems. Who remember those days? You had to stop at the, at, at the petrol station to get those maps. And then you drive for five kilometers and you stop. You pull over. And, and you know husbands, they never listen to wives. They never give the wife the list. They want to do it on their own. And you drive down there and you map it out. And you now I need to go five streets and I turn around. And then it takes you an age to get there, isn't it, Vita? You just drive and then you get to this point and then you get lost. But what if somebody who knows where that address is gets with you in the car? That makes it easier. And he sits next to you. And as you drive, he says, as you come up to the lights at the front, turn left. You go up to the lights, you turn left. You're on track, you're on the same route. Now what if you decide halfway through this journey you're not going to listen to him anymore? He goes, go straight. You go, no, no, mate, I think we're going to go right. You turn right. And then you see this guy going next to you, rerouting in his mind. Okay, now we need to find a different. And then you drive, but you still do not listen. This is how a lot of Christians today operate with the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they do not listen to Him. And there He is. He's got all of this magnificent power that He wants to empower you with. Can I just show you? Let me just open up. I haven't got it on the board. Open up in your Bible in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. I want to explain to you what comes and lives inside of you, if you not know. Let me show you out of the Word of God. The power of God is so wonderful. Isaiah chapter 11. You know... When we come to the book of Revelation, it says there's seven spirits before the throne. Who read that passage? The seven spirits before the throne. And now a lot of people say, oh, wait a minute. There are more than one Holy Spirit, is there? No, there's only one spirit. And that one spirit has got seven attributes to it. Let's see this. Now, understand, when the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, what comes and lives inside of you? Uh, uh, Isaiah 11 verse 1, he says, Therefore shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. This is Jesus. A branch shall grow from out of his roots. Now listen to this in verse 2. If it's your Bible, underline this, because this is what's coming inside of you. This is inside of you this morning if you say that you are a blood-washed child of God and the Spirit of God resides in you. The Spirit of the Lord. If it's your Bible, make a one next to it. Who comes inside of you? The Spirit of the Lord. It's not a false spirit. It's not a demon spirit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him. The Spirit of wisdom. You know what comes inside of you when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you? Wisdom. This is why Paul says in his letters, he says, pray to God for wisdom. Where does it come from? The Holy Spirit. What is wisdom? Wisdom is to apply knowledge. And He gives you this. What's next? The spirit of understanding. That's the third characteristic. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. Man, I can tell you testimonies of people who spoke in the name of the Spirit of God against murderers and they stopped them murdering people. The spirit of might. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. All of these things, all of those things, when the Spirit comes inside of you, lives inside of you. 
Who believes that? You don't have to believe me. Believe your word. This is it. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and He wants to strengthen us. He comes as a helper, the Bible says. Look what Jesus said. He said, I will pray the Father and He sent you another helper. That is a parakletos. It is a comforter. He lives inside of us. And He helps us to do three main things. First of all, He helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit helps you to pray. Who knows that? In Romans chapter 8, He says it so clearly there in verse 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Who feels weak this morning? Who feels weak? You know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and He helps your weakness. For we know not what we should pray for us we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And this is it, brothers and sisters. You come to a point in your life and you feel so weak and you feel as if you're losing your whole life and it feels as if the tsunami of problems comes upon you. Know this. You've got a helper who's inside of you. I'm not saying you should not reach out to your brothers and sisters. I'm not saying you should not reach out to the pastor. But first, reach out to God. Reach out to God. He's close to you. He's with you. The second thing it helps with, He declares Scripture for us. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Not only does He help us to pray, He helps with Scripture, but He helps us to have victory over sin. I need that. I need victory over sin. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. What does He use? He uses our conscience. He, he helps us to walk in the Spirit, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. These are the things that the Holy Spirit do, but still people would just quench that spirit. They would just say, I don't need you. And now, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Spirit has come upon you. So there's two sides of the Holy Spirit. One is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and then you also get a filling of the Spirit, which empowers you for ministry. You see, it's all about the power of God which lives inside of us. Now I want to demonstrate this in one verse to you, and I pray the Lord open this up for somebody this morning. You see this verse in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. Paul writes this. He says, in, in fact he's praying for them, and he writes down his prayer, and this is part of his prayer. He says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? Where is that towards it's towards us. The exceeding greatness of His power towards us. And then He says, who believe. He's talking to the children of God. According to the working of His mighty power, which He, which he worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. I love this verse. And I pray the Lord open it up to you. Because he talks about power here. And I'm going to show you now how English is very poor against the Greek language. Because if you read this in the Greek language, the power of God comes out like you've never seen it before. And let me show this to you. Because he uses the word here for power, the word dunamis. This is what Jesus said. 
He said to them, you will receive power when the Spirit come over you to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's the word dunamis. That's where we find our word dynamite and dynamic from. Now who knows the dynamite power? If I lit a stick of dynamite and I throw it right there in the middle, what's going to happen, Glenn? <laughs> Kaboom! First of all, everybody's going to run for the doors. Hopefully, hopefully. But this is, a powerful, this is a powerful power. Can you control the power of a dynamite stick? No. It will blow this room out of proportion. Now he says to us, he says, I pray that you understand what is the exceeding greatness of this power. It's like a dynamo. It just keeps on going on. This is what the Holy Spirit gives us. He says, I want you to understand this. And this is towards us. It means that God gives us this dynamite power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Now, when you see this word working there, again, I find it fascinating because the Greek word for that word is energia. Now, I don't know about you, Christos, but working and energia is two different poles here for me. But I understand what the translators did. They mean if you work, if I pick up this chair and I work, what do I use to do that? Energy. Energy. That's what that word means there. So let's read this now. He says, He gives us this great exceeding power towards us according to the energy, according to the strength and the vitality that is required to satisfy the physical or a mental activity. You know, we, get it. we don't just get this power to sit there and to be just sitting there. No, no, we get this power and then we need to get this power to energize that. You need to do something with this power. Otherwise, it's going to be extinguished. You see where we're going? You've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And now there's an energy that comes upon you. That's what that works means. And then he uses that word here, power. Now, if you look in the English, it's the same word, isn't it? His power, His mighty power. But in fact, when you go into the Greek and you look for the word there, it is the word kratos, which means a mighty force. It is not only one single thing now. It is, if, if you see me, you see me. But if you look behind me in a spiritual realm, you see an allegiance of angels. You see what power I'm talking about now. Man, I'm starting to get excited now. I don't know about you. But here is the power that I'm talking about now. You, you, you see, the world look upon the child of God, the Christian, as a weakling. But God look upon the child of God as what? As a powerful energy from Him. We don't have to ask any excuses to this world. Because He gave us the power. And He gave us the dunamis power. It energizes His mighty power which He worked in Christ. Now, now, now He gives us an example a classic example of how this power works. We are preaching from a funeral home. Don't worry, there's no corpses behind us. But see how he applies this power now. He says that power is the power that's needed for a dead corpse body 
to be risen. Listen to me. To be risen from the grave and to become alive. Just think of this thing. I don't think a lot of Christians realize the power of God. No, no, let me correct myself. I know a lot of Christians don't realize the power of God. He says here, the dunamis power which is energized and it becomes the mighty power, the kratos, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins, wasn't it? Were you? That's all of us. The same power that he took to raise Jesus from the grave raised you into a new creation. The same power, the dunamis power, Marjolene, that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that changed you from the old man into the new man. And then He sent His Spirit to come and live inside of you. Are you still feeling weak? Are you still feeling as if, you know, I'm just a Christian? You see, but some people do it like this. They've got this power, but they do it like this. You know, this is a beautiful car. I, I reckon it's got a very powerful V8 engine under that hood. And, you know, if you turn that engine, it goes... You know? You know what I'm talking about? You can, that's the power in there. I bought a, you know, my Volvo out there, it's got a turbo in it. My son will tell you his daddy's car has got two turbo buttons. That talks about power that's sitting within that engine. Within that car is massive power. It just sits there, ready to go. But this man goes, I don't know how to use that power. So he goes and he, he, he pushes this car to the shops. He goes into the shops in Woolies and he purchases all of his groceries and he's so tired and he probably and he puts it into the boot and then he goes to the other side and he pushes this car to his home and then he walks in and he takes all of that stuff and he puts it into his and then he goes the next morning to work. It's a long way to the city and he goes behind his car and he walks in the monash and he pushes this thing through the monash. Whilst in the inside there is a massive motor. If he could only turn the ignition, if he could only turn an electricity, energy goes from the starter motor, Vito, and it turns another thing, and it puts combustion into those pistons, and he can put his foot on the clutch or the brake, and he, he presses the accelerator, and it goes on itself, and you know what? This man sits. He can just sit there in the power of God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. It's His power. But people quench the Spirit. They say, no, no, Lord, we can do it on our own. Just leave me. I love this. It's going to give me this big legs. I'm working. I'm a fitness fanatic. This is why I'm doing it. You see, people will find all kinds of excuses not to use the Spirit of God. Yeah? All kinds of excuses. Oh, but I've tried reading the Bible. You know what gets me sometimes when people are so off and they come to me and say, ah, yeah, I've read the Bible four times already from cover to cover. And 
I go, and what have you learned? Then you wouldn't have problems with these things if you've read it from cover to cover four times. You know what people say, yeah, prayer, yeah, that's an Old Testament thing. We don't have to pray. God knows what we know. He knows what I need. I don't have to pray. You see, people have well, all kinds of excuses not to use the Spirit of God. And here he comes, he says, do not quench the Spirit of God. Now let me hurry on. He wants to express himself in your actions and your attributes. The Holy Spirit comes. He lives inside of you, but He wants to express Himself. Where? Two places. In your actions and attributes. Actions is when you do something active with your body or with your mind. The Holy Spirit wants to be there. When you're at work, the Holy Spirit wants to be there. But some people say, listen, Holy Spirit, where I work, you are not welcome, man. I work in a place. Ooh, you're not going to like it. You stay at home. I'll go and work in my workplace. If you have to leave God at home when you go to your workplace, get another job. Get another job. But some people do not want them in their actions. Some people do not want the Holy Spirit in their minds because of the evil things they think in their minds. The thoughts that's going on in there. They say, you are not welcome here. You see, He wants to express Himself in those areas. Not only there, in your attitudes as well. An attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about something. And man, can some people get an attitude adjustment. Yes? Only a few amens that came through. <laughs> I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. If the Holy Spirit is allowed in some people's attitudes, their lives will change. Their lives will change and the world around them will change as well. The Holy Spirit wants to operate in these areas. You see, but a strong attitude will influence your attitude, your actions. This is what happens with us, even to children of God. I can do it on my own, Lord. It's me, myself, and I. You see, when we do not allow the Holy Spirit into our actions, or when we do what is wrong, that is when we quench the Spirit of God. Remember, I broke it to you down, I put it into context. This is the ministering of the Spirit to you in that passage. God wants to minister to you. How does He minister to you? He ministers to you in your actions and in your attitudes, what you do, what you say. But if you do not allow Him to do that, He's, he's going to become quiet. Now, he's not going out because he stays forever, but he's going to be quiet. I want to tell you what's happened to me. And I'm, I'm in Woolworths one day, and I'm standing there with a lot of groceries on the conveyor belt. And in front of me is an older lady. And, and, and she didn't have a lot of stuff in, on, on the conveyor belt, but I could see it was something like $18.95. And I was standing there waiting for her to count out of her purse the notes. And she came to $15. I could see it at $10 or $5. And then she went to the coins. And by the time she went to the coins, the Holy Spirit prompted me to pay for this lady. But then I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. I said, what if? What if she don't like it? What if the, the, the cashier behind the counter don't like it? And she's counting out now $1, $2. And then she, the, the gold coin stopped. Then she had to go to the silver coins while I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. And all he said to me is, pay. You've got the money in your pocket, haven't you? Yes, I do. You've got a good job, haven't you? Yes, I do. Pay. But 
what if? You see, we've, we've got a lot of excuses sometimes. And then he got to the really small coins. And by the time I'm turning around to look at the stuff and I'm, I'm all over this place, the slip is coming out and off she walks. And then I'm standing there with my feet. I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. You know, we say, well, okay, it's happened to me as well as so on, but I found myself a couple of months later again, and there's another lady at the counter, and this time she had a little bit more stuff on there. It wasn't $18, and again that prompting came up. Now, <laughs> you know, I would be glad to be your pastor this morning and go way on your pastor. You did it this time, but I did not. For a second time. It was a little bit more this time. I think it was $54. And again, the Holy Spirit prompted me, say, you've got a good job. You've, you've got this. I was lying in hospital, and this message came upon my heart. And I said, Lord, how can I be real about this? And the Holy Spirit sort of, in my way, pointed his finger onto my chest and he says, that is real. When I want to be part of your actions, allow me to be part of your actions. You see, we come into this church for various reasons. I go to the supermarket, what, to buy food and sometimes to buy stuff which I shouldn't eat, which has got a lot of sugar in it. I found up the... Yeah. And lollies, and I love the jelly lollies and all of that stuff. But that's why I go. But on my way when I go, the Lord opens up other avenues and venues for me to see other things and people's needs. But I'm so self-centered. With the Spirit of God in me, it gives me the power to see these things and I neglect that. You quench the Spirit of God. You come into this place and you see everybody's here and is happy. But I'm telling you, in this room today, there are people who are you come to church because you want to be served. And the Spirit of God comes to you and He says, doesn't matter whether you're young. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. All the young people. I'm still young, by the way. But those younger than me. Do not let your youth be underestimated for the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is not a respecter of person. If you are, if you are here and you feel... You see somebody, and you can see somebody in their faces. Just go and lay a hand on them and say, are you all right? Are you, go are you doing well? You see, he wants to be active in your actions. And I say the shame, I, I, you know, you can say, you know, oh, yeah, my pastor, he's, he's going to see me in the supermarket, and he's not going to pay for my groceries. <laughs> and maybe the next time, the grocery that I need to pay for might be $100. But God's going to get my attention. God's going to get my attention. You see, if we do not allow Him, we are quenching it. Now, I want to just show you something here which is really interesting. Because if we read it in the English, 
It says, do not quench the spirit. But if we go to the Greek, and I explained it to Christos this morning, I've got a Greek Bible at home with the English words next to the Greek Bible. And don't go and buy a Greek Bible because it reads differently, okay? It reads from back to front. But I love the Greeks, and, and I say it again, English is popcorn, sorry for saying it, but I love it because the Greek is showing it properly for us, and it means so much more for me. The correct way of this in the Greek, it says, the spirit not quenched. That's how it's written in the Greek. In the English Bible, it says, do not quench the spirit. You say, so what, preacher? Well, the Greeks put the important things first in the sentence, and then it follows with the unimportant things. So the important thing here in that verse is the Spirit of God. Not about quenching it. It talks about the Spirit which is inside of you, and then it warns us not to quench it. It means against He wants to be part of your life. You see, it, it also references when it says, do not quench it to something like a fire, because you can only quench a fire. Now when we think about a fire, we think about purity, power, light, warmth, and judgment. This is what a fire do. Now, I know something about fires. If you want to set a fire, you need three things, three basic things. First of all, you need heat. Or first of all, you need the fuel. You, you take a few logs of wood, isn't that mill? You put it together, and you've got the fuel for the fire. Then you need oxygen. Who knows that a fire won't burn without oxygen? It needs oxygen. It needs to breathe. And then we need a heat, a spark. In Victoria, we know all about this. When we get our 40 days, there's a lot of fuel there, the, you know, the, 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 the trees and everything. There's a lot of warm wind which blows on the oxygen and all it needs is a spark that gives you a fire. When he talks about quenching it, we can quench this fire with water. If you put water onto a fire, what happens? It cools it down. This is me. This is me in Woolworths. You know, I'm praying for the Lord not to be cooled down in that aspect of my life anymore. You know, what I've done twice, I haven't listened for not paying groceries. I'm putting fire onto, water onto that fire. Are you with me now? It could be you. It could be the Holy Spirit says to you, this thing you are doing is not right. Stop doing it. Next time, the Holy Spirit is going to say, stop doing it. But the voice is going to be a little bit softer. The third time, it says, don't stop doing it. It's going to be a little bit more softer. Then eventually, it's going to stop telling you not to do it. That is like putting water onto the fire. It works with your conscience. It works with your conviction. You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, he says, The Holy Spirit will be behind you. He'll speak in your left ear to go left. Or He will talk to you. He guides you. But if you stop the guiding of the Holy Spirit, you are pouring fire on the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? The second way you can put out water on a fire. The second, I'm talking fast now, Marjoline. Praise the Lord, I need to slow down. The second way that you can kill a fire is if you put an incombustible substance on the fire. Who knows that? If you've, if you've got a fire here in your kitchen and this whole thing is doing, just take something and put it over it and it cuts off the oxygen. That's how you kill a fire. If there's a fire here, just, just take sand and throw sand on it. And it will kill it because it cuts off the oxygen. So what will cut off the Holy Spirit's oxygen? There's only one thing and that's sin. Sin in your life. And this is where grieving the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 comes into play. Ephesians chapter 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Lies. 
If you continue telling lies, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You are cutting off the oxygen to the Holy Spirit in your life. Stop stealing. This is the law, isn't it? Stop stealing. Let no bad words proceed from your mouth. Go read Ephesians chapter 4. Those things are killing the Holy Spirit. Not killing it, but it's quenching it. So sin in your life will be incombustible and it will kill or quench the Spirit. And then also wrong theology. Wrong theology will do that for you. Wrong teaching about the Holy Spirit. That will quench the Holy Spirit. Watch out for that. Watch out. And then finally, if you stop putting wood into the fire, what will happen? Eventually it will die. And what is it in our life? It is to neglect the word, the prayer, and the attendance of church. You say, wow, you are trying to fill the church now. Yes, I am. But who knows that if you come to church, the Holy Spirit can work. Who knows it's prayer? Who knows it's the word of God? If you stop doing these things, you are not adding fuel to the Holy Spirit. And I will finish up now. Um, You see, in Timothy... Paul writes to Timothy, he says to him, I want you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. The word here for stirring up is to stir the fire again into life. He said that to Timothy. Stir it up. I want to stir it up this morning. I want to show you two scripture verses and then we're going to pray. Somebody said to me uh, eight months ago, he doesn't like to come to this church. And I said to him, why? said to me, because you preach too long. <laughs> I said to him, bless your heart. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. What was that, brother? That's what we commented. Praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> scripture after scripture. And this is why I'm going to show you two scriptures. And may the Lord bless you. You see, he says to Timothy, he comes to me, he says, Timothy, Timothy is a young pastor. He says to me, stir up this gift. Put the fire up again. Let the fire burn again. How are you going to do it, Timothy? There's two ways that I want to give you here, and you're going to be amazed by this. I'm comparing two scriptures. One is Ephesians 5 verse 18. I'm going to read this to you. I want you, if it's in your Bible, to mark these words. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Then, Wrong theologians now out there says they, you get on TV people who are, say they are so drunk in church and they start laughing about it and they say they are drunk in the spirit. That is rubbish, by the way. This is not what Paul says here. He says the joy that needs to come to you is through the word of God, the spirit of God. This is what he touches here. By the way, I'm not going to go on that rabbit trail. I'll, I'll stick to this. He says, do not be drunk in wine, which is dissipated, but be filled with what? The Spirit. Now, I've explained to you the power of the Spirit today, haven't I? Then he says, speaking to one another in what? In psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Do you see why you need to come to church? You see why if you've got a psalm, my sister Brenda, that you read the psalms? Because it's the word of God. Do you see how important worship is? 
I'll just touch on this. You need to read the songs that you are singing. Because the songs that you are singing out in the world under charismania is doctrine. He says here, when you come together, hymns. If it's not about Jesus Christ, don't sing it. If it's about you, don't sing it. The gospel of Christ is the cross of Christ. That's what I preach in this church. The songs that we sing in this church needs to be about Jesus Christ. But now, he says not only hymns, he says spiritual songs. I listen to a lot of songs out there and I go, the man who wrote this song has put him as the center and God needs to serve him. He says if you want to stir it up, let the Holy Spirit come and live inside of you. And the Spirit of God will give you the discernment in all of these things. But this is how we stir it up. Let me compare it to another passage that Paul now writes to Colossa. Strangely enough, it's the same. But there's one difference. Notice this now. He says in Colossa 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Who's got the peace of God in their heart? Amen to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Now look at this now. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching. You see? Be filled with the Spirit. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in all wisdom and teaching. This is why in this church, my brother, I will preach word on word on word on word on word on word. I'm not going to tell you stories here. I'm not going to open up a book and we're going to preach through the 40 days purpose-driven nonsense. I'm going to preach the word of God. Amen? He says the spirit of God and the word of God, those two things will revitalize and kindle up the spirit of God in you. But look how it compares. He says, the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching, admonishing one another. Look at this. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's the same. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing with grace to your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through Him. 